Isaiah chapter 42. Okay, we're going to read from verse 5. We have about nine verses to read. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise to the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and those who dwell on them, let the wilderness and the cities lift up their voices, the settlements where Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing aloud. Let them sing, shout for joy, from the tops of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail against his enemies. Amen? Amen. So the Lord will go forth like a warrior. Say amen to that. Amen. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. Amen. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. Amen. The last line says, he will prevail against his enemies. Amen. Everybody say that. Amen. He will prevail against his enemies. Thus says the Lord, there is no need to be afraid. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need. (laughs) Sorry, please. I don't mean any, um, is it slight or anything. I was talking to my mother yesterday. It was her birthday. So we're talking on the phone, just gisting. Something now led to the issue of this person has gone abroad, this person has gone abroad. But she said something that kind of annoyed me, right, about perspective. The impression was that, ah, you know, people are looking for money. I said, nobody who goes abroad now is broke. I told her, I said, check. I said, is there anybody down your street who's jobless that your head went abroad? So who are those who are going? Bankers. You understand? Professionals. Doctors will resign their jobs, sell their car, sell their car, you know, their, their house, and then travel. I said, I said, there was a time when Visa Lottery would take anybody. So a lot of people were not doing anything, went to the United States. I said, but now, UK won't take you if you cannot, if you are going with a family. You need like 20 million naira to get to go. Yeah, it ain't cheap. The amount of investment. I discussed with my mother. So I said, so leave it. It's not money anybody's looking for. It's a drain on their resources. So if you can muster 25 million naira, you're in broke. I reminded her because she stayed with my brother for a while in Lagos, you know. And he lives in a very beautiful estate. The neighbor, my mother said, what is going on? The guy packed his wife and his children and exported them. If you see the house this guy is living in. In fact, my mother said that. People say they go. He said, is this place not America? That is, 
Yeah. She was there for like three months. Light hardly blinked. If he blinked, it's 30 seconds. He's back. Nobody has generators for what now? They don't have generators. They don't have any. No, you turn tap. You know. I'm telling you. When my children went to visit, they didn't want to come home again. I said, look, this is all of you. Come back to them. Come back to them. Okay, this is your father's place. So that was your uncle's house. Yet, in the midst of that, so I told my mother, does it look like it is money that's the problem? I said, no, it's not money. It is fear of tomorrow. It's fear. It's fear. But we have our fear. Somebody say amen. amen. Why am I saying that again? This is the word of the Lord to you this morning. There is absolutely no reason to be afraid. Amen. I say it again. There is absolutely no reason for you to be afraid. Amen. Your tomorrow is secure. Amen. It's in the hands of the Lord. Amen. He will preserve your life. Amen. He will establish your destiny. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. In the midst of the flood, you will float. You will not sink because of the storm. Amen. Listen, they can remove, reduce, uh, is it remove uh, forest subsidy. Your own heavenly subsidy cannot be shifted. Amen. I hope, hope you get my point. Yes, Let me just tell you what will happen. Where you wanted to go, you will still go. Yes, Have you noticed you've been going everywhere you wanted to go? And you will continue to go. Amen. And you will prosper. Amen. God will make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things. Amen. And you will abound to every good work. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Amen. Wherever you are, God will cause wealth to flow to you there. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just locate the place of your assignment. Locate the place where you are effective. Locate the place where you are a blessing. Not somebody looking around for who will bless me. Locate that, stay there. And then say, Lord, cause your prosperity to flow towards me here like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And I'm saying to you this morning by the Spirit of God, that is exactly what you will experience in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful morning. As we go into your word, thank you. Like we prayed earlier, you have answered us, so you have granted us understanding. You have granted each one a word in his own language. Therefore, Lord, we open our hearts to receive it this morning, and we declare as follows. Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's open our Bibles this morning. We'll read a number of, um, about two or three portions of the scriptures. We are looking at the grace of the Lord Jesus. Remember, grace is God's power released in the direction of the one who believes. It has to be 
by faith, Paul said in Romans chapter 4, if it's going to be in accordance with grace. So grace is the power that God releases because you're trusting in him. All right? Bear that in mind. Now, what is the grace of the Lord Jesus? We said it's everything that God is able to do for us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Is all the power available to us because Jesus offered himself as the Lamb of God on that cross. That's what grace is. That's, that's what the grace of the Lord Jesus is. And that's what we're looking at. Now today, I want to talk about... Um, well, maybe I should give it a title, I don't know. I'm talking about the great substitution and identification. The great substitution and identification. There's a little book by um, E.W. Kenyon. The name of the book is a pamphlet, a, little, a mini book. It's titled Identification. If you can lay your hands on it, all right, please read it. I believe that you will really be blessed by it. That book blessed us those days when we were young people in, on the campus or University of Benin. These are books that you just kept on, you carried around in your pocket. When you're idle, <laughs> you read, all right? And it keeps on reminding you of the things that God did for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, open the, your Bible, please, to First Timothy chapter um, 1. First Timothy chapter 1. From verse 12, I'll read to verse 16. Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, put in, because he considered me faithful putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was more than abundant. Are you saying that? And the grace of our Lord Jesus was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. He now said in verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as a foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Let me just read verse 17 to conclude that paragraph. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, please notice this. He said this is trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a statement. And that's what I'm talking about today. The fact that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, the truth is that if we don't bear these things in mind, recall, you know, re, you know, remind ourselves of them occasionally, the benefits therein will be lost to us. I feel like reminding us again, spiritually power, all right, is tied to knowledge. I hope you get my point. You know, something that faith is 
you hold the pillars of the temple, <laughs> like Samson, and you push, and uh, I will not agree. So you close your eyes, I believe. Like that guy said in that clip, he said, your boy see they believe. That is like God, I'm waiting, you know, your boy see they believe. Now, faith is not, I've said it many times, it's not just, I've made up my mind. No. If you have faith, you have it. I hope you get on my point. Yeah, it's not, let me give you an example. Now, if I get into my bedroom, I'm looking for my car keys. All right? Now, I'm, I'll, I'll keep looking for the car. It's not, there's no, I just believe that the khaki is here. Oh God, khaki is, no. I kept it here yesterday night. Yes, I came in, so I keep on picking up this pillow, this uh, shirt here. I move my bag. Why? I know the khakis are there, you know, somewhere. The bunch is there somewhere. And I calmly look for it and eventually I find it. Do you follow my point? Yeah, it's, that's knowledge. You just handle it calmly. It gives you a kind of um, strength that you don't struggle with, that is to produce. That's what that's knowledge is. And that's what faith is. Faith is that knowledge is a foundation for faith. If you don't know something, I hope you're getting my point. If you don't know it, you will struggle to believe. And even though you feel like you are believing, it doesn't produce results because really, you're just intensely desirous. And somebody tells you that what you need to do is just believe. Now, you cannot just believe. I hope you're getting my point. You have to know to believe. What I'm saying is, is it clear? You have to know to believe. So you cannot believe beyond the amount of understanding and revelation you have, except God drops for you a special gift of faith at a particular point. And even then, it comes with clarity. That gift of faith gives you an intense knowledge about something. Do you get my point? What am I saying? Faith is built on the knowledge of truth. And once that knowledge of truth is there and is fully accepted, you don't struggle to have faith. The faith comes naturally. That's why I said faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing. All right? That is by the word of God. I, I like to always cut that together. Hearing and hearing, they go together. All right? It's not hearing, comma, and no, there's no comma in the Greek. It's hearing and hearing. All right? That indicates that, okay, let me give you an example. If you pick a medical textbook for a medical student or a medical person, and you are reading. You're just accepting everything they are saying. When you finish reading, you leave the place. You say, don't eat this thing. Something you have eaten all your life. And suddenly you stop eating it. That's what they call hearing and hearing. But if you read a novel, as an example, they say, don't eat. You read a novel for entertainment. That's hearer only. You won't do what they are saying. That's the difference between hearer only and hearing and hearing. Who is a doer of the word? That is, it's an attitude with which you approach the information that's being given to you. Now, so if you, have, if you acquire information on the hearing and hearing principle, faith is natural. Faith comes automatically. It's not something you struggle for. I give an illustration, of course, I've used it many times. That sometimes people come with testimonies. There was a time I was wondering whether, is it that the devil doesn't want me to have my own testimony? Now, he said devil, yes, he said devil. Because people come every time giving testimonies of the battle they have with Demons have battles they have with um, they had with um, some oppressive spirits and all of that. And I'm wondering why I've never had that battle. I have preached in strange places. I have gone here and there. 
I have opened, you know, I opened my mouth loud, you know, here physically. It's been aired all over the modern-day Roman road, the internet. I've said this things on radio, on television. Why is the devil avoiding oppressing me? Why don't you even come to my house and sit down and say, okay, oh, <laughs> Pastor Mark, I want to hear you today, you know? Like, I've heard people testify. And it was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was concerned, like, You don't want me to have my own story to tell. Until I realize the reason why. Let me just remind you. Spirituality. Let me just tell you again. Spirituality doesn't mean you are you're strange. You know, people think spiritual people, you know, spiritual people when they are going on the road. I sense, I sense that's not spirituality. You're spooky. Okay, my friend. Yeah, you're spooky. It's not that's not spirituality. Spirituality doesn't mean you are walking on the road. Bros, I've told you people, leave all those things for your bedroom. I do them. You'll be surprised I do some of these things. So. If you catch me praying sometimes, eh? You say, Pastor, you? Eh? Yes, in my bedroom. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not in church. They tell you something will grip you. Oh, yes. You'll be surprised that some of the things I do on my own. I can roll on my head too. Ah, we can't do this thing. You know, when we come to church, hey, 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 assembly is assembly. I hope I get my point. In assembly, we should be able to join hands. Not that we join hands. You'll be pulling me up and down. Relax. If you hold my hand, hold it with respect. I hope I get my point. <laughs> hold it gently. Give me your hand. You hold it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we've come to pray to you. Behold, you are threatening. Grant that. Grant us boldness to preach your word. You know, so that you will do signs and wonders at the mention of the name of that's that's when we are together, that's how you should pray. Don't say I join hands with me and you almost dislocate my shoulder. It's not right. But when you're in the house, we can do some assault, some sugar, some pepper, anything you do it is your house. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Spirituality is not like you are going like that. No, no, that's not spirituality. Spirituality is how you see life. That's spirituality. The understanding, you know, it's called the renewing of your mind. That word mind there, Romans chapter 12, what it means is how do you interpret things? They remove forest subsidy. Things become more expensive. There are two ways you can interpret these things. One, you can say, yes, we have vagabonds in power. They want to kill the poor. The poor can't breathe. I can't breathe now. My lungs are shutting down. APC. That's one attitude. There's another attitude. You open the newspaper in the morning, you read it, and just close it and say, all things work together for good because I love God. For me, this is going to turn out for my good. This nation that I've been praying for, this will turn out for the good of this nation. I just say it matter-of-factly. See, we discuss it then. Faith creates. If a critical mass of people in the nation of course, amongst believers, we just open the newspaper in the morning, see that news, finish reading, close it, and say what I have said. The removal of first subsidy, the higher prices, at the end of the day, will become a, you know, a teaching in economics on how to restructure a nation. Not because originally, you must understand, you must understand this. Books are written after the fact, not ahead. When things have happened, they will not look back at why it happened. Do you get my point? I'm right. So the thing that happened really 
was created. It was not natural. And the Bible says, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. It's not by the things that we see. All right? It's God's word that framed what you saw. Not out of the things that are visible before that. So because we all read the news in the morning and said things like that, a critical mass, it will not, it will not be all 200 million people. All right? But the critical mass, and they will be picked from amongst believers. They will utter that statement. The whole thing will turn out for good. But Satan has recruited most people. All right? Once he starts, they sit down. Of course, the moment the current head of state took office, I knew his life was over. What do I mean? People have started again. And for your information, it doesn't matter who wins an election. It's the same principle all the time. The only way they will not do you like that is if you are spoiling the country. You say, what do you mean if you are spoiling the country? Except you are there handing out money, they spew negativity out towards you every day. Please, I want to remind Christians, don't ever join that group. Why? Faith creates. Faith creates. Don't sit down and be looking at what the government, is it good or is it bad? Like, I only tell people, look, I've avoided commenting on all things going on recently because I say, you can't sit in Enugu and know what they are discussing inside Asurok. And you want to make your judgment. Your judgment will now be the basis upon correct decisions. Of course not. I do my own job, I pray. Because I don't have enough information. I don't have enough information. I don't have enough information. But my emphasis this morning is that faith creates. Don't let the negative things, you understand, all right, make you disable the creative power that God has put in your mouth. That's what I'm going to make. So two ways you can react to things you see around. That's what I'm making all of these things. One, you can say, hey, they want to kill the poor. We can't breathe. Or you can look and interpret them from scriptures. Say, by faith we understand. By faith we understand. So I will use faith to understand. What is the Bible saying about it? It says, all things work together for my good. And because I keep on entreating the Lord for the land's sake, everything will work together for the good of this land. For my sake, oh. Because we are asking the Lord for favor. It, it's not, you see, please, people think that if you make the right decisions. No. If you know the principle of life, some of these things you call right decisions, you make up your mind about them after the fact. Do you follow my point? He just looked, only one of my classmates, he had an issue, so he, came, he had to return to Nigeria from the United States. So he came to Enugu here, and sat with some of us. And he said something. He said, you guys were wise. We sat somewhere in New Heaven that day, you know, eating somewhere. You know, guys, classmates. He said, you guys were wise. What did he call wisdom? The fact that by the time he returned, of course, I was not in Enugu. I didn't grow up here. I didn't do my postgraduate here. I was working here as a consultant. And the other guy, you know, about three or four of us just sat down. And I was talking about the experiences he had. He said, you guys were wise. Yet, when he was taking the decisions, we guys were foolish. But after things played out, he said, you guys were wise. Please, I hope you're following me. You have to allow the power of God in your mouth to create for you. That's what I'm saying. There is nothing really happening in themselves that really has an, you know, that's the end. It's all happening. At the, there are things that you are angry about. Like, uh, Pastor Kim, they were telling the story, was it? Yes, the one we have discussing the Bible here. About the man who they sacked in his office. You know, they, they were doing some layoff. Banks um, consolidated. So they laid off some people. Of course, you know the way it is. They had the new fewer managers. In, so this guy, right, was laid off. Of course, it would look like a bad thing. No. Then, shortly after, 
everybody in his unit went to prison. The only reason why he was not in jail was that he was laid off. Everybody in that unit went to jail. What saved him? God first eased him out. That's why, now of course, you now look back. He will now say like Joseph, you meant it for evil. But what happened? God meant it for good. So please, anything that happens, react from scripture. And God will turn what was evil and turn, you turn it around for you to turn out to be good. The Lord is good. So I'm talking about faith. So faith creates. How do we have faith? It's through knowledge of, the, of facts that we have received with the hearing and hearing principle. Now the faith to receive, okay, now remember my demon issue I was telling you about? I used to wonder, what did they happen? These demons will go around be harassing everybody else. So you cannot leave me alone. You don't even give me some more testimony. So the spiritual will say, ah, praise God. I enter here, I sense, I sense, then you start battling the spirits. Then when the person starts preaching, tell you about the battle of demons. And that's the title of a message. You can't afford to sleep. Normally the activities of the witches and the Ogbanji spirits is strongest from 1 a.m. to 2.45. Usually by that time they start coming down. The temperature of the ozone layer. And I said, now, what we're going to do, we're going to prepare prepare for them tonight. Everybody start praying. Then you start praying. You start praying. Now, this is where I'm going. Many people say that this guy is very spiritual. Why? He fights, he sees demons, and he fights them. Early in life, we were taught that we and demons we know they're the same category. That we have no business wrestling with demons. That the person we wrestle with is Jacob wrestling with an angel so that you can rob body with angel and tap anointing. <laughs> we heard that you rebuke devils. And we read, we read the story of people like Lester Somra. I think Wigglesworth, I think it's less. Anyway, some of these missionaries, they went to some dangerous areas where demonic power is very strong. And the man was in his house, sleeping. Then he heard noise. He came out, and he saw one evil figure in his sitting room, having scattered the whole place. He didn't cast out the demon. He did not. He said, rearrange my sitting room. Don't go until you have finished rearranging it. And he went back in and went and slept. He didn't wrestle. He didn't fight. He said, you scattered this place for who? See, you're not serious. And he went back in and slept. Another man that heard the story, he came out. He saw that figure and he hissed. He said, I thought it was something that needed my attention. And he went back to sleep. Most of all, what do we do? We start, start fighting the devil. This man went to sleep and told Satan, me and you are not on the same level. Do you get my point? Now, I was brought up with that kind of attitude. I realized later, that's why they don't bother. That's why they don't bother to come and harass me because I don't go fight you. I don't need that testimony. When I want to sleep, I sleep. If anybody comes, ah, two, one a.m. I said that's when the sleep is sweetest. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is when you enter into the realm of the sleep spirit. Are you from? Not here. No, that is a t- that attitude. You are getting my point. It, 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 that's what spirituality is. Spirituality is not because it's not that you are just going around seeing spirits. Spirituality is that you interpret life according to what is written in scripture. That's spirituality. That you interpret life according to the revelations of God. 
It doesn't mean you're spooky. Let me say it again. Spirituality doesn't mean you're hearing from God. If you're always hearing from God, one or two things. Either you're a very baby Christian or you're a prophet being sent on errands. If you're a normal Christian, God has to tell you when to wake up, what to eat, when to cross the road. You're not spiritual. You're silly. You have refused to grow. If any of my children is about to cross the road, call me, I give him a phone. Call me, Daddy. There's a truck coming. What should I do? I said, run to the center of the road now. <laughs> do you get my point? You know, if you get to call me to ask me, I'll be wondering, a truck is coming, and so? He said, should I cross or wait here? That's the last day you're going out by yourself. He said, no, I don't cross until my father says cross. It's not spiritual. <laughs> do you follow my point? there are things that God will train you in naturally so that, now that's the point. Spirituality is to reason like God. Paul will tell you that you don't have an express commandment on this, but I have the spirit of God. So I can tell you what is right to do. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Spirituality is to fill your heart with the knowledge of truth and use that to interpret the things around you. That is spirituality. So when everybody says there is a casting down, you say no. For me, there is what? A lifting up. When the hearts of men around are failing them because of the things that they are beholding, you, you will look up. You straighten up, look up, because you know your redemption draws near. And what I'm saying to you again this morning is that that creates for you. It creates. It creates victory. It does. It creates success. It creates fulfillment. It creates destiny. You can't plot these things. They are created. And I'm saying to believers again this morning, it creates. So we're talking about the grace of Jesus. We need to know exactly what Jesus did for us. Because as I'm teaching this morning, it will heal diseases. That is, you just come to your realization and say, why am I even sick? And then you get well. Now, you didn't get up and say, Satan, the sickness, go. No. Just wake up and say, why am I even sick? I'm not supposed to be according to what I've just been told. And that will just crystallize. He said, the word became what? Flesh. The word is still becoming flesh today. When I say flesh, it means physical things. The word becomes money. The word becomes medicine. Yes. It crystallizes and heals diseases. The word becomes flesh. What we need to do is make sure we imbibe the truth of that word. The word becomes flesh. See, there's nothing you are looking, you are seeing physically on this earth that's the height of reality in itself. I hope you get my point. The word is more real. If you know how calmly, <laughs> you know, there's a prayer I pray. I say, Lord, help me to see from above and not from beneath. Help me to see from the realm of the spirit. Let me see the things that are real, really real. I hope you get my point. See, the spiritual things are the things that are really real. How do I explain this? Let me give you an example. There's a match that's going to be played this week. I don't know. I don't watch football much. So let's just... Uh, do, do they still have a, a club called Aqua United? All right. Okay. So 3S is still there. And Enugu Rangers, right? Good. So let's assume Aqua United and Enugu Rangers are going to play in Enugu here. Today is Saturday. And they're going to play on Tuesday. Do you know that today, heaven has decided who's winning? And there's no way to change it. Now? No. As of today, who will win has been decided. It has been decided. You can't change it. What you see physically on the earth 
is the physical manifestation of a spiritual decision. I hope you get my point. Physical things in themselves, they are not real. Now, you see, that's why when Jesus, they came and told him, your friend Lazarus is sick, he continued doing what he was doing as if nothing is happening. So like, hurry, your friend Lazarus is sick. He said, no problem. Let me finish this meeting and I will go. Then, you know the rest of the story. By the time he got there, four days, the man had been dead. Now, what I'm thinking of again this morning is how calmly he handled the situation. Before they went, he told them that our friend Lazarus is asleep. And they said, ah, good, though, because they didn't want to go. It was a dangerous area. He made, he made it clear to them, don't worry, there's no risk. Why? This prophet cannot perish outside Jerusalem. So no matter how terrible it looks, let's go. Thomas said, let us go and die with him. Fine. He said, the man is, is sleeping. Why? I intend to go and wake him up. Ah. They said, do we have to travel to tap somebody? If he's sleeping. She'll be after a while. You know, if you sleep, like no matter how serious, 24 hours after sleeping, you will wake up. No, the man said, of course, they now told them that, look, the man is actually dead. You guys don't understand. But because we are going to wake him up. And he said to them, he said, I'm happy for your sake that I was not there. Because if I got there while he was sick, I would tap him, he would get well. And you will not be able to realize who you are working with. Now, what I'm talking about is how calmly he was discussing these things. There are times I look and say, God, hey, give us understanding now. So that we won't be running, you know, up and down, panicking. He got to the tomb of Lazarus, you know, the rest of the story. People say that, was Jesus born of a virgin? That uh, that virgin thing is not possible. I said, if you raise Lazarus, I don't care whether you are pollinated. (laughs) I don't care. If you can raise Lazarus, and you tell me that you are pollinated, I'll believe you. Having a virgin birth to me is the easiest one to accept. He said, I grew up in the petals of a flower. It's fine by me. You raised Lazarus. You were the one that raised Lazarus. Bros, that a human being gave birth to you is easy. I'm, re- I'm willing to believe that you matured on the stalk, on, on the stem, what they call, on a branch of a tree, as a flower, <laughs> product of a flower. I'm willing to believe it. Four days, because I know what it means for someone to have been dead for four days. I know what it means. At the end of the first day, he stood outside the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. For me, that's the height of it. And that's why I'm so happy he didn't go on time. Because I needed to, I needed that experience also. Not only the, you know, Peter, James, and John. Even we today, we need the his, that is, that's, and it was a fact. I hope you understand. It really happened. But what I'm bringing up from it, from it is that it shows you something. That what you see physically is not actually the thing that is real. The word still becomes flesh. Till today. I hope you're getting my point. When you imbibe the truth of what God has done for you in Christ, without you tra- exercising any special faith, because the, spe- the faith comes up naturally. The faith starts creating inside you. It starts creating things for you. You know, science keeps on teaching us every day. They research deeply into science. And the painful part for me is that as much as I, of course, you know, I read all those things a lot. And I thank God for the understanding he's given me, helping me to be able to you know, handle them and not... But many people, they, they, they've undermined their faith. Now, this is where I'm going. They keep on focusing your faith on the things that are sin. They settle down and say, look, 
your problem is genetic. And if you're able to identify that gene, you are locked into that thing. That is, I don't have a solution. It's in all my cells. What am I saying this morning? If you understand the redemption that is in Christ, you know that the genes are not as important as the world becoming flesh. That what the genes say, all right, the genes can be silenced without any effort. Can be silenced. Why? By us just imbibing the truth of God. The genes will be silenced. Just open the scriptures, read one and find out, no, this is what the Bible says, Jesus did for me. Ah. Then why are they telling that genes control this in my life? Now, they are not lying. I hope you get my point. But within the realm of the understanding and the information they have, that's what they can predict. But what you are now doing is that you are going beyond that level into a superior level, which alters genes. Like I said the other time, see, these are our human beings. Our genes have been altered as homo sapiens, what? Adamus. The gene has been altered. It, it keeps, look, they don't alter tire. You see a Chinese man and you see Chooks, you won't believe they are descendants of the same Noah. I hope, I hope you get my point. When you have the same grandfather, he said it's not possible. Actually, what happens is that the power of death, the death that was pronounced over Adam, I hope you get my point. Over years, it starts altering our genes. People start having genetic disorders. People are born with you know, genetic problems. You go to some people, they say, to some groups, and this kind of disease is what they have. Why? The genes, I said, wait, where did this start from? How come you find out that, okay, let me take something like sickle cell disease. It's not found amongst white people. Whites don't have it, unless you have a mixture of black or Asian um, blood from somewhere. You, I mean, you, you can't, but then there are diseases, when you hear names like Alcaptonuria, black people don't know what they're talking about. There are some things that are found only amongst Jews. Say the man has Tay-Sachs disease. If you practice in Africa all your life, you won't see it one time. They say, oh, that one is only found among Ashkenazi Jews. <laughs> Look, these are our genes that have been messed up. It's the result of the death in Adam. So each generation, you know, I said the other time, they started living shorter and shorter and shorter. And if Jesus did not come, eh? life expectancy rather right like in 32 or something. An old man will be 45 years old. And it's almost unbelievable that people were living to be 900, 800. But you go and read, if you see the charts, the thing just kept on dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. It dropped so much that at the time Abraham was running around, Shem was still alive. Most of Shem's descendants died before him. I mean, to the next four generations. Abraham's father, of course, died very early. His grandfather died early. Abraham was dead. I think Shem finally died during the life of Abraham. Shem is a descendant of Noah. A son of Noah, I need to say. Let's not say descendant. One of the sons of Noah. Shem finally died. Let me even check. That's why some people decided claiming that Shem is actually Melchizedek. Let me see what I have. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sad side. Shem outlived Abraham. Yeah. Died during the life of Jacob, Isaac. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the chat. And he's, that's why when they asked Jacob, how old are you? Ah, Jacob said, my days have not been as long as that of my father's. And this is my short one is full of trouble. Yes. 
The genes just kept on altering. When they said, dying you shall die, that's what God was saying. The life, the death force just kept on shortening life expectancy. Kept on shortening it. Kept on shortening it. Shemson lived you know, like almost two, about over 150 years shorter than his father. Just kept on getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until he got to Jacob. That's the effect of death. I'm talking about life. Uh, let me say something. Will it, will, I, will it, um, if Adam didn't fall, will he have died? You know the truth? The answer is no. If that fall never happened, Adam would never have died. But then he would not have remained with that flesh and blood that you know forever. A time will have come, he will have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. At that point in time, from my little you know, understanding, <laughs> he wouldn't need this red blood flowing through his veins anymore. Fact. Where am I going with all of this talk? Whatever started happening, which is the spirit of death, that shortened everything, that thing was terminated in Christ Jesus. Yes. And what God is now doing, that's why if you go and read the New Testament, one word that Jesus didn't like to use was death and die. And Paul almost never used it. That's why I like things like New Living Translation, um, in all those simple Bibles, good news. They try to make the Bible easy for you to understand. But in that process, in try, they, choose, they choose wrong words. Many sleep. Abraham, Paul will say. That is like, because you don't judge yourself, this is why many are sick amongst you, and many sleep. Now, sleep, the way we all understand it is that most of us here slept last night, and then woke up this morning. So when the translators wanted to make it clear to those who are in the Bible, they said he was talking about dying. There are words in the Greek for death. Paul deliberately chose not to use those words. Because he was trying to bring out something for us. That see, now, the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. If anybody, in quote, in quote, physically dies, alright, he has only gone to sleep. Because one day he's going to wake up again and have the kind of body that Adam was supposed to have if he ate of the tree of life. I hope you're getting my point. So until that time, for as long as you need to function on this earth, there is a spirit of life. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If it's in you, we give what? Life to your mortal body. What was it saying? That even if the genes say negatively, that spirit will say something different. Like I said the other time, if we continue to imbibe the truth of God's word, alright? Uh, you know the way Adam, generations after that kept on getting shorter and shorter, generation of believers, until Jesus Christ comes back, they will start living longer and longer and longer. The genes will start getting corrected, naturally speaking. What is the effect of the power of life? Even though the body itself is not yet redeemed, but that life will compel it to be sustained for as long as is necessary. Please, I want everybody to start believing this. Like I said, I said in different time, in previous times, old age is not a disease. Stop expecting that when you grow older, things will start getting bad for you. Just, just tell yourself, no, old age is, I like the way Ken Higgins said something very beautiful. He said, you just believe that as it's getting older, it will start forgetting. And of course, you have a few forgetting experiences, which will almost reinforce that thing. 
But what I found out is that the major reason why you forget, who forgets more, children or adults? Children can forget. Children, experts at forgetting. The way they forget sometimes, you just wonder that, is this malicious? <laughs> you, you, you know the story, because I don't understand telling you the story. The way they just forget something. But then when you now tell somebody, say, you know, I'm getting old now. I'm forgetting. One day somebody actually met me, one of my colleagues, we met at the airport, we were both waiting for our flight in Abuja. And we were sitting there, her father called, it's a woman. And her father called to congratulate her for something she achieved. And after she hung up the phone, she started laughing. That was the fourth time the man is, call, is um, calling to offer the congratulations. Said well, that he keeps forgetting. So that he just saw her husband. So the husband said, ah, this happened. Ah, the man picked the phone and called her to congratulate her again. Meanwhile, that's the fourth time. So she was laughing that the man is old. He's not forgetting. He has dementia. So along the line, she now asked me for something. Like, Please remind me, you know, you know there's dementia in my family. You know, it looked like, Jesus Christ. Well, because she's not a student of the word, you understand? I didn't say anything. But it struck me. There's dementia in your family because your father. Anyway, you know, a student of the word. Let's, just, let's, let's, stick, let's stick with medical discussion. Yes, there's dementia in your family. So she was, please, uh, please try and remind me. You know, when we get to Enugu, please try and remind me. I will remind you there's dementia in your family. Leave that thing. <laughs> Believers, never say such things. If your father has dementia like that, just say simply, casually, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is working in my own brain. It's sustaining my memory. Can I say that's how he was reading one day? He told him that as you are getting older, you start forgetting. And he started getting ready to be forgetting things. Until one day he was reading the Bible. And Abraham said to that rich man, Son, remember. And he said, Wait, these people are they are dead. And they can remember. So that's, the same memory does not lie in the brain. He said, no, I will never forget. That's all. You know, just that casual, no, that's the end of it. Until he died. Until he slept. Let's use the proper Bible word. Until he slept at almost the age of 90. When he's telling stories. When he's telling stories. He will give the address. He, he, he will say funny things like, um, do you remember that um, 2nd of February... 1945 was a Tuesday. <laughs> and of course, everybody will burst into laughter. He said, I just felt that you should know. He will give you not only the date, the year, and the month, but he'll give you the day of the week that thing fell on. I said, that happened between 11 and 12 o'clock. He would describe the streets. And there was, ah! And he told you a story of 40 years before that. Why? Because he read the Bible one day. He said, no. Memory does not lie in my brain. It lies according to him in my spirit. Just that realization. So that's why let me say it again this morning. People of God, fill your heart with the knowledge of truth. I've been saying this again and again. I think the spirit of God that wants to be emphasized to people. Don't make an idol of science. Science is a very useless idol. Why am I saying it? They change their minds all the time. Why do people rely on people that change their minds all the time? One of our brothers, I don't know whether he's here in the other hall, one day he told me, after a meeting like this, he gave me, I think I lost that thing. I think he forwarded it to me. An article that shows that medical science, medical science, they reverse 
50% of all the things they say, maybe like every 10 years. You're not getting my point. I was, I, I forgot, I was asking him again, so I can get that thing correct. I'll give you a few examples. When I was a student, what caused ulcer? One, um, of course, stress was known all the while, but they said too much acid in your stomach. By the time I was a resident doctor, one guy had proven that it's not so, that there's a particular organism called Helicobacter. And he proved it by drinking the suspension and developed ulcers. Overnight, from treating ulcers with antacids and, you know, acid blockers, you know, things that provide, prevent production of acid, we changed to treating with antibiotics. Yeah. So now if, they, if you go to the hospital, they check you, and they say you have peptic ulcer disease, they give you like a six-week course of antibiotics. Yes. Now, I don't know the current trend now. At least as about 20 years ago, that's what they now began to do. I don't know what's happening right now. But after I looked at it, I said they will soon change them. I can't explain the reason to you here. I just said this thing will soon change. Late 70s, they told into the 80s, they said ah, the problem with heart disease is eating cholesterol. So people started marketing food, low cholesterol, low cholesterol, low cholesterol. I've told you many times, I refuse to believe them. I said, this is a lie. And my own reason is different. I just said, it's not a black man's problem. So when you say Nigerians should just be, see, stop pretending like you're Americans. I know you want to go to America, but you're not an American. Your problems are different. See one hungry guy, I tell you that he doesn't eat sugar. Say, who gave you sugar first? <laughs> say, you know, you don't, don't eat sweet things. I just be looking at them. I just be looking at them. Say, Let me carry you to where... The people say don't eat this. You know those the ones who were in school. I told you, Kenneth Higgins used to say that God told him to eat a fasted, live a fasted life. And all the Okwelenges, small, small people in school said they are living fasted life. A man that was thin before becomes thinner. Because he's living a fasted life. Until we saw pictures of Kenneth Higgins with his fasted life. God bless Brother Higgins of blessed memory. Man was big. <laughs> big. Then, the first time I went to the United States, I now understood why God had to tell him, to, and please, if you are in the United States, live a fasted life. You see, you can't tell a Chinese man live a fasted life. His life is fasted. A Chinese man gives you a cup, a tea, in a cup that you need only two tips of your finger to hold. One gulp, the tea is finished. Americans don't behave like that. You know what you call a plate? I went to eat then. That was my first experience of going to that country. What they call the plate in Nigeria, we call it a tray. Yeah, no, that, that's not a joke. See that tray, you will use the house, you know, to serve, you put a plate here, put two plates here, and then put a cup here, and carry it to go and give somebody. That is their plate. They will pack what they call steak here, put potatoes here, put it. They just give it to you, and you're looking like, excuse me, am I really, uh, am I supposed to eat this? <laughs> my wife remember the one who went to my, see my friend. That's in the U.S. also. We went and the guy entertains you very well. Ice cream. So we decided that mm, we're still going somewhere else later. Let's not fill our stomachs with ice cream. So we say, okay, you buy one portion. Okay, it's, it, it, my wife and I, he and his wife, so four of us, all right? 
So just buy one portion for each couple. Then we shared. When the one portion arrived, I looked like, oh boy, this is one portion. Thank God you told us to buy one portion. That is two people. We didn't finish it though. Two people, Nigerians, could not finish the one portion of an American. And we bought one portion simply because he said we are still going somewhere, so let's not fill the stomach. The first thing I did that to me years before that time. Then he was still, he was, then he was in New York. The same thing, he said, ah, we know we are going to visit this guy in the evening. He said, yeah, so let's not fill our stomach. Let's just take something small. When this guy gave me the cup of the milkshake, I looked at the guy like, which kind of wickedness is this? Didn't you hear I'm going somewhere in the evening? He gave me a spoon that was as long as the one you used to dine with the devil. <laughs> what was the reason? Because the cup is so deep, it's the only way to go down. <laughs> and I'm like, I started realizing why Kenegin said God said he should live a fasted life. Because if you did not live a fasted life, when you go to China, it's not a problem. What you call what the Chinese man will call plate for you, Nasosa. If you want to watch what you eat, just change the size of your plate. Seriously. Yeah, I notice it works. If they use a fat plate for you, you eat fat food. If they use a small plate, you eat small food. So just go and use Chinese, <laughs> Chinese calibration. Those are small, small things like that. They pack noodles inside. I'm doing like this. That's why they are that size. Where am I going? I say, yes, and Nigeria, not even that uh, they are living fast. Like, I look at this, my friend, go away. Go away. You are not an American. You don't have their problems. Say, no, I don't eat sugar. I say, my friend, get out. You that you, you, you count your cubes to so put in Gary. Say, you don't eat sugar. Look, I don't like when pop people, you know, like, you know, like somebody I saw you say, say you are transfinancial. <laughs> you know, there's transgender. I'm a man trapped in a woman's body. One girl said, I'm a rich girl tra- trapped <laughs> in a broke person's body. <laughs> Makes me laugh when I see poor people trying to pretend like they are transfinancial. You sit down there and say, that I, you know, I don't eat sugar. You're looking like you. Why are you pretending like you, you, are, you are rich? You, you forget that thing. Let the people that have those kind of problems solve their problems. Medical people, they keep on changing. So, that was the problem I had that time. They said, do I eat cholesterol? I said, why? I said, do I see to it? <laughs> I don't see to it anyway. Why are you pretending? All the plant-based food, which is what Africans and Asians, you know, that's our food. They are generally plant-based. They are naturally low in cholesterol. Sometimes they tell you to take uh, oil, low cholesterol. It was fraud. It was marketing fraud. Misinformation. Vegetable oils, by nature, they don't have cholesterol. And I say, this cotton seed oil, low cholesterol. Don't be silly. It's what not going to have. It's cotton seed oil. It's sunflower oil. It's groundnut oil. It's not going to have cholesterol. What is wrong with you? It's still used to annoy me. You're talking about cholesterol. It's for those who eat meat in the morning. Egg, no, eggs in the morning, meat in the afternoon. And... Uh, you know, you know, stuff like that. They, they use um, an animal-based diet. So that was why I, reject, I said, I'm not going to answer anybody. After 30 years, they said, sorry. Even for the white people, the dietary cholesterol has nothing to do with your plasma cholesterol, the one in your blood. That one is made by your liver. 
You don't eat it from your diet. I didn't want to say anybody. He said, the problem now, I saw a commentary on it. The problem now is the sugar. I said, people have come again. <laughs> I said, these people, leave us alone. We don't have a problem. The sugar and sugar cane does not kill anybody. The one they are worried about is what they call high fructose corn syrup. Many people don't even know these things. It's made out of corn. Through a special method you know, invented by one Japanese scientist. This one they are just carrying cubes and throwing. It's not, it's not a problem. And how many do you even eat? Transfinancial. You'll be behaving as if you have a problem with rich people. And then they keep on flip-flopping, flip-flopping, flip-flopping. And a lot of things they tell us, I've been telling everybody, please, pray well and seek good counsel before you start throwing chalk of all methods into your mouth. Start swallowing. Most of those things are invented to collect money from you. Your health is of secondary importance to the people who manufacture those things. They are stock market companies. They have to, you know. They replace drugs just the way, just the way iPhone will give you iPhone 14 Max and all of that, so they can sell. There's nothing wrong with iPhone 12 that you are using. You know, those guys used to do, they deliberately kill your old phones. They used to do it. Now the whole world is angry with them now. All, the, all of them, iPhone especially, Apple, used to do it. They got into trouble with it. Some guys just did that. When they release a new iPhone, they release an update for the old iPhone. You download the update, it slows down your old iPhone. So you are forced to go and upgrade. One guy has been watching them one, so he, he, he checked it and finally reported. They now say, no, we are trying to make your battery last. Of course, we know it's not true. Why don't make my battery? Why don't you give me battery? I can easily change. This, this, they don't really, if you think they care about you. They don't care about you. They don't, like, I'm begging you, use your phone for five years. Tell me every year you are changing your new phone. It's not necessary. Change the battery. Said you see, says Samsung 21 or uh, uh, S21 Ultra. Next year, S22 Ultra, and you are buying everything. Anyway, that's another. That's an aside. The point I'm making is that do you know the drug companies? You are of secondary importance. The primary importance is profit. There are times they change drugs that don't have anything wrong with them. They bring a new one because the old one is now cheap. So the once a man came gave a lecture. I was there. Somebody just called that. This man came, came all the way from, I think, Belgium. White man. Had over 100 publications in, you know, hypertension and heart disease. And he warned us, said, listen, clothalidone is good enough for most hypertensions you want to treat. That thing comes to less than 10 naira a tablet. Why? It's a very old drug. So this modern one they keep giving you. Say, you know the truth? They're there just to make money from you. So instead of having a drug that's maybe five naira a tablet, they give you one that's two hundred naira a tablet, and you just think that it's better. The man took time out to explain to us and proved it. I don't mind them. I don't mind them. The point I'm making is this: please, you can't even make God out of science. They keep on changing. I mean, one generation they change. Like I was saying about one of the universe, they in sixty years change their mind. How many times? From an eternal universe, they finally came to the fact that it had the beginning. Remember, the Bible says in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Science finally found out that it has a beginning. Well, when we look at it, those already the Bible, we don't know what we are saying. They say it will come to an end like that too. Then they found out that no, it's not going to come to an end like that. They also found out. What is keeping it, they say, is dark energy. We will know. He upholds all things by the word of his power. 
They call the word of his power dark energy. Finally, they don't make don't make signs your God. Follow scriptures. The word of God in Bible is to change your life. Every day gets spiritual information. Don't be following research like oh, what is the next thing they say will kill you. Don't worry. The life of God working in you will sustain you. I hope you're getting my point. Don't, don't even think that uh, uh, nothing is going to kill you. You are not sustained by chance. You are sustained by what? The life of God. What did I say? Said so I am sustained by the life of God. I am not sustained by chance. I am sustained by the life of God. Let me tell you that life of God. Let me tell you the way it works. Hmm? You can bend the knife that the body is trying to stab you with. By the time the person is done stabbing you, he's dead. You are alive. One word or the other, the knife he, he, he launched at you with. For one reason or the other, turned and entered his own chest. Exactly where he wanted to hit you with it. It's in the Bible like that. Their sword will enter their own hearts. That life of God, this is, it, bullets will just miss you for nothing. It didn't miss you. Just the life of God that says it's not going to kill you. A man will shoot you, then he will die. And they'll be wondering what happened. It's an angel that deflected it. And said, this death has been released. He must kill somebody. And he's not going to kill this person. Eh, who, give to the person who sent it. What our people call back to sender. Who? Some of those preaching, sometimes they sweet. Back to sender. All the arrows from, yeah, they're not from the village, right? <laughs> but believe me, back to sender. I hope you're getting my point. Look, this, I, I heard the story of one man. Now, listen, many of these stories, they have happened to you. But God doesn't let you see it, so you can't talk about it. One reason is that he doesn't want you afraid. Maybe somebody shot you on the way to your house. You never found out. The person died. If he let you find out, you won't pass that road again. Say, this road is dangerous. God said, where is you pass now? This is the only road to you. You live in a close. <laughs> so, don't tell him about just save him. Save her. Save her. All right? But please, don't tell the story. Don't tell the story. I read the story of one man. This man, the plane, plane crash. Plane crash. The plane, fire was, you know, burning down the cabin. He saw the fire coming. People was, were screaming as they were dying. Fire was burning them. He just looked, he just prayed, and committed himself into the hand of the Lord. But the Lord said, not today. What happened that a plane, there was a problem with um, you know, control. So a, a plane had hit their own plane. Do you understand? So a plane landing, hit their own that was packed, maybe wanted, waiting to take off. So it tore part of the fuselage. Fire was burning. He just committed himself to the end of that and just relaxed. It's good to be a believer. There's a peace that God gives. But God said, not today. You know what happened? The plane fell somewhere and the wings exploded. Right under the area where he was seated. And threw him through the crack in the fuselage. Threw him out. And he landed on the grass outside. Beside the runway. The only mark on him was as he passed through that place, his hand touched the torn part of the plain aluminum. 
So they gave him a gash on the hand. I think he was the only one that survived or something. But God just said, not today. The Lord said, you're not going to die today. The Lord said, you're not dying today. And that's it. He was saved. That's, that's salvation. That deliverance. It's not a game of chance. God told an angel, extract that fellow. And that's exactly what happened. You have been delivered like that many times. That's what I'm trying to explain. So you can't make a God of any other thing. Don't worry about it. The word becomes flesh. And does what? Dwells, let me put it this way, inside you. So that's why you need to feel. Look, go and memorize Psalm 91. Read it out to yourself every day. The word will become flesh. Let me say to you, eh? don't be afraid of economy. You know, those days they say, buy this. So I say, why? I say, because, you know, things are getting more expensive. I said, do I look like I'm getting cheaper? I said, the price of land will go up. I said, do I look like I will go down? That's what I always tell people. And, you know, I didn't bother. Everybody hustle, hustle for this. I said, guys, I better leave me. They say, you know, if you buy land now, the price will go up. I said, guys, I am not planning to go down. I'm inflating faster than the land. I hope you understand my point. Yes, I'm an inflatory, which word is it? I mean, inflatory. Ogni, thank you. The life of God in me is inflating me. Financially. Once I was in Lagos those days, I was studying the scriptures. I got into Isaiah chapter 66. I got to verse 12. Kai, it was as if the scriptures jumped out and knocked me down. He said, behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Since that time, I said, God said, bank, you don't, don't run after money. It's, I'm forbidden. I'm forbidden. Because I don't want to inactivate that scripture in my life. So anytime I get money, even if it's 1,000, I say, Lord, thank you. You are fulfilling your word. I've learned that it's not a game of chance. If I get a millionaire, I quote the same scripture. I see if, I, if I get a thousand, I quote the same scripture. I say, Lord, thank you. Because you said you will cause prosperity to flow towards me like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. People of God, fill your head with the knowledge of truth. That's what I'm trying to say. The faith that will come to you will create something in your life naturally. Let's continue. That's it. We should open somewhere. So, we're talking about the grace of Jesus Christ, right? Yes. The word becomes what? Flesh. And what is the word that becomes flesh that we're looking at today? I said, Jesus, 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said he came to save sinners. And that's what I'm teaching this morning. That indeed he came to save sinners. Indeed he came to save sinners. And I said I'm talking about the great substitution and identification. Now let me just explain something. What did Jesus come to deliver us from? When he said he came to save sinners. What did he come to save us from? There are three things. All right? That I will mention when you use the word sin in the Bible. Hmm? Now, all these three things I'm going to mention, they constitute sin. But the sin is used in another way, all right, which I will mention afterwards. But they don't come under this category. In fact, he came to save us from sin, all right? But it comes in three categories, all right? But then the person that came to save us from sin is also called sin. Because another use of the word sin in the Bible is sin offering. Sin offering. So here God says something like this. Talking to Cain, if you had done well, you would have been accepted. You understand? He now said, but if you did not do well, what did he say to him? Sin light at the door. 
people have said, interpreted that in upside down. What he just said is that, I have provided for you a sin offering. You must do what? Master it. You get up, take the sin offering, and offer it the way your brother Abel did. That's what God told him. Offer him, offer the sacrifice the way your brother Abel did. So there's a sin offering that you may hear the word sin used for. So hear that he made him who knew no sin to be what? Sin on our behalf. That word was talking about the sin offering. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. What that righteousness means is that God uses us to showcase his righteousness. That what he did was right. I will explain that as we go on. Alright? But what did God, what did Jesus come to deliver us from? Sin in three categories. Number one, he came to save us from the nature of sin. Number two, he came to save us from the if, the work or effect of sin. And then number three, he came to save us from the judgment for sin. Let me go over that again. Remember, we said by default, we are sinners. Now, you are not a sinner because you did anything. And you are not just, not just, you are not just a sinner because your great-great-great-great-grandfather Adam sinned. Alright? That's where it began from. By one man's sin, Entered into the world, all right? And death came as a result of sin, all right? Now, but what I want to bring out is, is the fact that, uh, what I want to remind us of is the fact that we are sinners simply because we are not in line with God for whatever reason. We came out of a race that our ancestor, Adam, said we run independent of God. That's all. So once you are born, you are a sinner. Not because we did anything. All unrighteousness is sin. What is unrighteousness? Anything that is not in perfect alignment with what God created. So once we are born, we are sinners. Now, he came to save us from that. That's one. The second thing he came to save us from is that effect of sin. What do I mean by effect of sin? Because there is sin in you, you now start committing acts of sin. Because there is sin in you, you start, there are two sides of the effect. Let me give an example now. There's what is called the fear of death. Like we said earlier. What will happen to me tomorrow? What will happen to my life? What's going to happen to me? These are the effects of sin. That lack of confidence concerning your future is an effect of sin. Do you get my point? Yes, an effect of sin. The lack of confidence. And you know the reason why many people... <laughs> somebody says sometimes, say, hey, why do people steal like this? Eh? With all the money they have, they still want more. You know, when you talk like that, I always look and say, you don't know life. You don't know life. Have you ever asked yourself that I've breathed enough, I won't breathe again? Have you ever told, that, told yourself that? See, stealing is a habit. You either have it or you don't have it. I hope you get my point. Yes. So sometimes people say, how is people stealing? I say, you see, there's something once I was asking some, some, of my, some people I know, colleagues, friends, they were making some decisions. And I felt they were so ridiculous. So my wife said, my problem, she t- I, remember, I, I quote that thing for her all the time. He said, you have found what to do with your life. Then you are now wondering why other people have not found what to do with their life. are chasing many things up and down. Do you get what I'm going to say? Yeah. He said, so because, do not, I never forgot that thing. This was years ago. I said, okay. So now I understand why people do things. Now, this is where I'm going. A lot of people who do what is wrong, you know what is worrying them? The fear of death. Let me give you an example. You work in an office. Government or big establishment, a multinational. You will retire one day. One day your time there will be over. And this money they are paying you now will stop coming. I hope you are aware. They're not going to continue paying just because you worked there for 15 years. 
or 20 years. And you are looking that this thing will come to an end. It will come to an end. A time will come, you will be so overwhelmed by the fact that it's going to come to an end. You start asking yourself, what am I going to do? You know, remember the story Jesus Christ told us? I will be too old to dig and I will be too ashamed to beg. So let me steal money and keep. And as you are stealing money and keeping, let's assume it's government, all right? Which is quite common in our country till now. Then another of your friends has stolen and kept in one place. EFC found it. And now he's poor. So you know what you do? You will steal and keep somewhere else again. So, so you have two. Then another of your friends are put in the second place where you kept money. That thing collapsed. It's an investment. EFC made you afraid of the option A. Now you have A and B. B. Somebody else had B. The investment collapsed. So you know what you do? You steal some more and put in C. Now that is why people continue to... They can't stop. It's called the law of sin. They cannot stop. As long as the fear of death is in them, they can't stop. A friend of mine told me something once. God has blessed him financially. And that day I shook my head. I said, God, you know, you've been gooder to me than I realized. You like my English? I said, no, no, no. You have been gooder than I realized. Because the man has a lot of cash. He said, he said, Banky, do you know what? One day, I was wondering where to keep money. I realized I couldn't keep it in Naira. So I said, okay, let me buy dollars and keep. He said, then something happened. He realized that that dollar was not holding its value. He said, let him buy euro and keep. He said, there is something. He said, he said, do you know what? As I was thinking, I realized I was sweating. I don't know. What, it, the man is talking to me. I was like, where do I keep money? He didn't steal the money. He worked hard for it. God blessed him with it as a result of the work he does. He said, but I was wondering, where would I keep this money? He said, thinking about it, I began to sweat. When he told me, I marveled that, you know, I have never sweated like that. Never. He said, it's because you don't have money. That is the truth. <laughs> yeah. I've never wanted to keep money somewhere. Because something will happen. If you see money with me, it's because I'm, there's nothing I'm doing with it now. When something comes to do with it, it will do it. It will do it. I'm not going to say, hey, no. I am forbidden by God to worry about tomorrow. You say, what about your children? I will pray for them. If my prayer can't help you, you're on your own. I will pray for you. I'm not promising you anything. If God blesses me and I have, I will, but that I will lay up for you that this will take care of your future, God forbid bad thing. I'm forbidden from thinking about it. One thing that Jesus came to deliver us from is what is called his fear of death. A lot of people you see today, why they are doing what they are doing is because of what? Fear of death. They are afraid. Like I said at the beginning, many decisions people are making. It's, it's fear. It's not they don't have money. I thought I would discover my mother yesterday. I said, it's not money, mommy. It's not. Said, they are looking for money. I said, they are not looking for money. They can go there because they have it. The problem is, what does tomorrow hold? And let me tell you something. As a believer, there's a commandment, a commandment over your life that you're not allowed to think like that. Jesus says, sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. Talking about the effect of sin. A lot of, look, that is health problems, relationship problems, including marriage, business problems, 
you know, business collapsing, economy, all of those things, they are what I call the effect of sin, the work of sin. Jesus also came to deliver us from them. Part of that effect of, and the work of sin is sickness and diseases. Jesus also came to deliver us from them. <laughs> you know, you know this is our junction here now. Yesterday, yeah, we were driving home. I was just telling my children in the car, I said, see, this is the problem with when people are not civil. Okay, I got there, you see people trying to hustle and pass. I hope I get my point, that junction. Now, there are no being the traffic lights, and there's no policeman, no traffic warden there, all right? Nobody controlling traffic, so no security person. So I, I, just, I just said, Kai, in under 20 minutes, this place will be impassable. You know. Uh-huh. So I was saying, I said, you know the problem? The problem is that everybody is trying to beat the other person. I said, when you get to a civil society, everybody is trying to wait for the next person. That's what they do in civil societies. That is like an environment where people are civil, where people think. All right? They've been trained that when you get to a junction like that, wait for the other person. I said, do you know, if we just wait for the next person, no matter how heavy that traffic is, everybody's out of there in five minutes. But because you are trying to beat the next person, you're going to be there for one hour. As simple as this illustration is, that is how Homo sapiens adamus hurts itself. That's how human beings hurt themselves. As simple as this illustration I'm giving to you now is, do you know, let's look at Nigeria as a country, is the reason why a lot of things don't work. This simple illustration I've given you, that you get to that junction just down this road here, instead of somebody just waiting for the next person, which is in the scripture, prefer one another in love. Just get there, just pause. You know what they call stop sign? I never knew what it meant all my life until the first time I went to the United States. Now, Highway code was in my house as a child. We used to read highway code for the fun of it. I learned to drive very early in life, I told you. By 13, I was driving. I learned to drive very, very early. I never knew what the stop sign meant. <laughs> Until years later, I got to an environment where people obey the rules. Why are you stopping? He said, it's a stop sign. So it means you must stop. He said, you must come to a halt. Oh. And it just hit me. That is why, you no, know, in we don't have enough traffic for many of the traffic lights we have. Are you aware of that? Many places where we have traffic lights, what we need is a stop sign. Just jump off the light. Just put a stop sign there. You know what it means? Once you get there, hit your brake. Come to a halt for one second and then go. Just by doing that, everybody moves. That's simple wisdom. But you know what you find out? Survivor of the fittest. Everybody trying to kill the next person. Nobody moves. Like one man said, because we are dishonest, we pay for our sins in the price we pay for things. It's a long story how he explained it. Say so he went somewhere. A man went into a shop to buy milk. There was nobody in the shop, but the milk was there. So he picked the milk, dropped money, and walked away. He's an Indian. He's somewhere in Europe. So he told his friend, what's going on here? That one said, no, I came to take milk. There's nobody in the shop. He said he knows. So he put the money somewhere and took the milk. I know how much the milk is. And I know how much, where to put the money. So I put the money, and I'm taking my milk. That the shop owner understands. Ha! The guy was alarmed. He said, where I come from? <laughs> Not only will you take the milk, you will take some of the money some other people have put there. He said, for that reason, that shop owner will have to hire somebody to monitor things. He said, Dan, if you can steal, 
then he also can steal. So your milk, because it's fresh milk, he will pour water in it and make it dilute. He said, for that reason, one day you are going to complain. The government is going to employ somebody to start monitoring the quality of milk. And that person has to be paid from the taxes you pay. He said, but if you can steal and the shop owner can be dishonest, what stops the inspector from being dishonest? He said, so he too takes a bribe to overlook the sharp practices of the shop owners. He said, so government is forced to put somebody else to check on the inspectors. All of this coming from the money you pay for milk. He said, every time we pay extra, we are paying for our dishonesty. That you can't blame anybody. It's a whole society. It's what I call the effect of sin. See, listen to me. God didn't just come to save us from sin. He came to save us from such things. You know, when you have believers in a society, many of the problems of the society should disappear. Did you hear what I said? If we are true Christians, many problems in the society should disappear. Please don't forget that thing I said. If we really are believers, many problems in the society should disappear. Things should start getting cheaper. Because some of the things we, are, we employ money for to maintain standards, we wouldn't need them. Just because you have enough believers who are doing what is right. Number one, Jesus came to save us from sin. What is sin? That nature that is different from that of God. That nature of man that makes him a sinner. Jesus came to take away that sinful attitude that is in us, that is against God. Jesus said to them, you have your father, the devil, the devilish nature that is inside people. Jesus came to save us from it. Number two thing he came to save us from is the work of sin, the effect of sin. And I've given a few examples. And number three that he came to save us from is what? God's judgment for sin. Many of the things we suffer, they are not issue of judgment. They're just effects of sin. Inflation, effect of sin. We mismanage our resources. God is not angry per se, but that's the way it will go. But there are times that he's angry. And he says, for this thing that you have done, he said to Gehazi, leprosy would not depart from your household. The leprosy of Naaman. He's angry. There's judgment on this earth. And there is eternal judgment. Let me say something to people. They don't realize it. As a matter of fact, people are going to hell. There is a lake of fire at the end of hellfire. One day God will take hell and everybody inside <laughs> and toss them into the lake of fire. Let me not start now talking about the fire thing. Fact, I don't think it's literal fire. What's my reason? Because it's in a different realm. So the fire we have here cannot be the same thing over there. Why is it called fire? You see, the Bible always tells us that it's about what? Torment. So there is a place of torment that is waiting for those who disobey God. There is a place of torment that's waiting for every natural man who's a sinner. Jesus came and said, you will not go there if you believe in me. That is a matter of fact. See, that place of torment was created, Jesus said, for the devil and his angels. Those who rebelled against God. This is God's universe. This is God's, you know, he owns everything. And you don't have the right to rebel against him. 
And when you do, he's going to put your butt in jail. And that jail is called hellfire. And then one day when he will have settled everything, because I, think, I thought about it, I won't talk, teach about that now, that why did he even create it in the first place? It's to put an end to rebellion. Yeah. It's to put an end to rebellion. And he's going to put an end to rebellion. And because of the way things are, I don't want to use the word he can't, but once you are living, once you're a living being, you are going to remain a living being eternally. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. So the place is going to keep rebellious living beings, whether angels or human beings, is a place of outer darkness. Sometimes I've seen you know, scientists try to ask questions like, what is outside this observable universe? I said, ah, it struck me that, yes, that's what Jesus was calling outer darkness. Yeah, that's what the Lord Jesus called outer darkness. A place where you never get to, you know, people, you know, you've heard those, those silly jokes before. That, you know, if you go to hell, that's where all the musicians will be. Two-Face is going to be there. I'm not, Two-Face, I'm not saying you're going to hell. If you don't give your life to Christ, that's where you'll get there. But, but I'm just saying what people say. They say Michael Jackson went there. Those who went in school, they say Bob Marley is there. That when you get to hell, that will be jamming there at night. One of my friends that, that time said, we'll go with a pack of cigarettes. That to smoke it, you just do like this. Doesn't need to look for lighter. You just do like this, it will catch fire and start smoking. Uh, yeah, people say funny things like that, silly things. They say that um, to every night it's going to be, you know, jamming, you know, a jam. I'm not saying anybody went to hell, I'm just trying to say what people say. They say, ah, Michael Jackson's there, but Mali's there. We'll be jamming on the afternoon and night. I want to jam with you. Just be jamming. Jam, jam, jam. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what they kept saying. Which is very stupid. It's very stupid. When you get to, get to hell, God will not let you take his skill with you. Yeah, the skill is his own. That skill. You know, David said something. He said, if I forget Jerusalem, let my right hand forget his skill. You can forget your skill. Can I assure you, you ain't going to hell with skill. You are not going to hell with skill. The Bible says the spirit returns to who gave it. No matter the musician you think you find in hell, I want to get there, you can't sing. That's number one. Number two, the place is described as darkness, outer darkness. Ken Hagen said, darkness so thick, you felt you could cut a chunk of it with a knife. I have a fair idea of what that might be like. I did not know, until recently somebody pointed out, that this universe is intensely dark. I didn't even realize it. I said, wait, it's true. If they just shield you from the stars, and the, of course, the sunshine of the stars, you are in pitch darkness. Darkness so thick, you can't even orient yourself. Forget the matter of losing of skill. Even if they didn't lose their skills, you can't even recognize the person next to you. You don't have enough light to congregate. All the light will be in hell. Anybody in hell is in absolute darkness. Even if you are 100 trillion human beings there, you feel as if you are in total isolation. On this earth, it's one of the worst forms of torture to be put in total isolation, especially when the space is confined. You go mad. Once you're in hell, you're perpetually mad. 
He said that you don't know who to be mad with. Trust me, you don't want to go to hell. I will trivialize it. You know those women who said they went to hellfire? And they saw Michael Jackson doing breakdance in hellfire. It's a lie. When you get to hellfire, you can't see nobody. You can't see anybody. It's intensely dark. And that is what, where God is sending every rebel in his universe. Every rebel in his universe is going there. What we call hell or Hades is a temporary place. But when Jesus now returns and judges everything, he now packs Hades and all the people that are supposed to be there and throws them into a bigger hell called what? The lake of fire. It's the same thing, essentially. It's a place where you are isolated from righteous creatures because they don't want you messing up the rest of the universe. Go and stay on your own. Jesus came and said, no. Anyone who believes in me will not go in that direction. That's it. Anyone who believes in me, that will not be your destiny. That's what Jesus came to do. How did he do that? It's simple. Because God is righteous and what he does is to judge sin. He said, whoever rejects the son is what? Condemned already. Jesus didn't condemn anybody. Before he came, they were condemned. Because they were sinners. So the offer of pardon that he gives, when you reject it, you just confirmed your own condemnation. It's not his idea. That's what he said. He said they are condemned already. He said they are condemned already. What are we saying? Jesus is a way of escape from a certain inglorious end. And how did he manage it? Let's open our Bibles. We need to read some more. The grace of the Lord Jesus. You know, God is righteous. But there's something I found out. It's part of his design of the universe. He allows people to pay, you know. Somebody can be can owe a debt. Another person will pay. God allows that. Let's open our Bibles quickly, the book of Isaiah chapter 53. There's something I said, was it last time? One of these previous times in this series of teachings. And that's the fact that if God didn't do anything... Now, I was telling you earlier, don't make a God of science, all right? They keep making discoveries. They don't know everything. They keep making discoveries. They don't know everything. I know a little bit of um, physical sciences. And I find the quantum theory and all of that quite interesting. I found a man the other time was talking about retrocausality. That is as if... The things that happened now affect things that were happening yesterday in previous times. In quantum um, science, they call it retrocausality. And that a human being and scientists, physicists can conceive it. You know, if we're the ones that said it now, they say because you are going to church. But scientists are now saying some of those things. Now, you see what I'm saying in a moment. There are things that science will discover now, all right? We've known them before from scripture. For example, we know that there are things that travel faster than light. Like what? Our prayer. (laughs) And we pray, it travels faster than light. Angels zip around at the speed of light, or faster than the speed of light. We know that spiritual things are not bound by the laws of this um, temporal, you know, Three-dimensional space, okay? 
We know that. Where I'm going is that. So, you see, there's more to life than what science has been able to observe. And they keep on improving their observation, the power of observation. Science is now beginning to, they have begun to understand that the human mind affects the physical structures around. That's, if you read a lot about quantum this thing, you'll know that you measure a particle, your measurement imparts quality to it. Interaction with people, all right, affects the things happening in this universe. I'm just going to get somewhere here. So, one day I listened to one of these celebrities after he speak. I don't know if he thinks he, he, he disagrees. When he, t- he said he doesn't believe there's God. In fact, he wrote a book titled God is Not Great. And what he was trying to say is that you are trying to tell me, now listen, that's why I'm going with this whole talk, that when God wanted to save a, solve a problem, he took one person and went and executed him in the Middle East. Did you, did you catch that? Who's that one person? Jesus. And that you are telling me that the execution of one person on the cross is the solution to the problems of this earth. The man is looking like how ridiculous. Now, I've said many things I've said today, all right? To let us know that there's nothing ridiculous about scripture. It just means that the science people have not yet reached there. And we have observed that eventually they get there. The Bible tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They said, no, the, the universe is eternal. It's always, always been there. They were 60 years ago, they said, sorry. We found out they had a beginning. They called that beginning what? The Big Bang. And in the last few years, they said the Big Bang actually is an instantaneous bang. But they refused to say it the way we said it. We said that God, God said, let there be, and there was, right? Yeah. But they now said, from a, something as small as the size of a marble, in less than one, now just to make it easy for you to understand, they actually say one, less than one over one trillion. But let's just say to make you understand, in less than one tenth of a second, something as small as a marble, about one inch in diameter, or one centimeter in diameter, hmm, expanded in less than one tenth, actually they say one less than one over a trillion. Okay, but is that difficult to comprehend? So let's just use one over ten. It expanded from being this tiny to being one trillion kilometers across. What's the other English word for that? No, no, no. Instant. Instant. That's the other English word. Instant. <laughs> if you can move from what? Once one inch across to one trillion kilometers across in less than a fraction of a second, then that thing happened what? Instantly. It's in the Bible. When God said, let there be, and there was. They are finally getting there. From the time of the Big Bang, they now call it, please, if you can read this, there's something I'm telling you that I manufactured. They call it the inflation theory. Where am I going? Oh, eventually, they start moving towards what the Bible has always said. So, when Hitchin said that he doesn't understand why God will execute one person to solve the problem of mankind, it doesn't mean he's, the, 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 the idea is ridiculous. It just means he does not understand. And the Bible tells us clearly that's exactly what God did. You know what? That's exactly what was needed. After Adam sinned, when death came in, if God did not do anything, it will have taken a few generations. I don't know how many generations, but the whole of mankind will have disappeared. All the animals on the earth will have disappeared. The earth will have crumbled. You know what will have happened? I'll tell you. The stars... If you, if you read a bit of astronomy, it's good, okay? Not astrology. There's a difference between astrology and astronomy, all right? Astronomy is just observing stars for the sake of science, right? 
you see the everything is in perfect order. The moon moves around the earth every 28 days. Remember that? It never runs into the earth. The earth moves around the sun. There are, well, as at now, they said eight other pla- seven other planets that move around the sun. They don't run into each other. And for your information, the planets are just the big ones of the things that circle around the sun. There are many things in place, like the copper belt and all of that, that all move around the sun. They don't run into us. Scientists are always scoping scoping space to see an asteroid that will come and hit us and eradicate people on the earth. They said an asteroid hit the earth, that's where all the dinosaurs died. (laughs) Is that true? I don't know. All I know, if that happened, it was because God decided to judge Leviathan. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Because the Leviathan trying to judge you, he sends an asteroid. Just like we know, Sodom and Gomorrah died by natural, they were watered by natural um, events on the earth. But we also know it was because God pronounced judgment. Now, this is where I'm going. See all those that look like they are in order. If God did nothing, hmm, the asteroids would have been running into each other, into the earth. The earth would have imploded a few generations after Adam. There will have been no Jupiter. Because Jupiter will have run into Uranus. <laughs> all of them will collapse towards the sun. And then once, what am I going to say? There will have been massive disorder anywhere, everywhere. Why? Because this mankind, you know scientists are always looking for, is there life anywhere else? Should I tell you the truth? Something you already know anyway. They will never find but one day they will tell you they found. Within the next 50 years, they are going to tell you they found. But you want to know the truth? They will never find. But hear the truth. There's no life anywhere else. Do you know why? Life did not come to the earth by chance. It was placed here. Human beings were placed on the earth by God. It's not a game of chance. Now, when man sinned, the effect of man's sin on the earth Touches every other thing around. Touches the sun. Touches this solar system. It touches this universe, this galaxy. If God did not do anything to stop it, a few generations after Adam, this whole earth will have crumbled. Asteroids will have rained on the earth and wiped everything out. Mankind will have just died, died. Then one day, just look. You know, that life I was saying about, you get shorter, shorter, shorter. One day, just wake up. People just become fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer. And then one day, all of them will just fall sick. The other they fall sick, all the women will just die. You know what that means? There's no more next generation. So the men will just look around. After all, they'll be dying off one by one. one, by one. Then one day, one man will wake up. He's the only person left. And then he too will die. And that will be the end of that generation. For God to prevent that from happening, the first thing he did after man sinned was to offer a sacrifice. Yeah, that's what he did. Now, how does that work? I don't know. But it works. Now, listen to me. Every sacrifice that was offered, beginning from the garden, he said, which sacrifice did he offer? You know now. He clothed man with what? Skin. He took it from somewhere. That was the first sacrifice. That was what prevented the earth from imploding. Then he now gave a sacrifice, all right, to each generation of people. And that's why everywhere you go on this earth, are you getting me? There are sacrifices being offered. There is no human civilization 
that does not have sacrifices in their history. There's none. There's none. Forget people that are doing like as if they are advanced. Leave that thing. Leave that thing. Every, <laughs> do you know the funny thing? Till now, they are still offering them. Hey, people of God, till now, they are still offering them. People have always offered sacrifices. Why? It's the only way this earth has been, you know, has been preserved from the wrath of God when man sinned against him. It's the only way. But every sacrifice that was valid, because there are some very useless sacrifices, you know, like some, some of these sacrifices, they, they, in fact, they make things worse. They, like all the ones they offer at the temple of Dagon. <laughs> all those ones invite demons. Right now, people are still offering up. Let me not get into that. But I'm talking about valid sacrifices. Every single one has been a type of the Lord Jesus that was going to come. Yes. Every single sacrifice that has been offered that succeeded in preserving this earth. The reason why the earth did not implode, you'll find it in that book of Genesis. God said that the seed of the woman will come. That seed of the woman is the reason why the earth was preserved. And what was the seed of a woman to do? I said you should open somewhere, right? Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of past ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. Just by the way, do you realize... Hey, let me not give what is wrong. But go and check it out. Isaiah chapter 53. Eh? Is the, in fact, it's called by some people the New Testament in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 53 is what helped us understand, or helps us understand everything that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. This Isaiah 53. It is considered one of the most important chapters in the Bible. Do you get my point? Now let's just continue reading. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of past ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. He said, surely... Our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken. Please notice that verse 4. Smitten of God and afflicted. But the truth is that he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging or stripes we are healed. He said, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That is the judgment for our iniquity to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. He said, by oppression and judgment he was taken away, and for his Generation who considered that he was cut off, who was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. 
If you go to verse 10, he said, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering. Notice that. He was being rendered as a guilt offering. He said, if he would do that, he will see his offspring and he will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. I'm going to stop reading in verse 11 here. Now listen to me. The judgment that was due to mankind was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. What did I say? Because God is just, every iniquity must be punished. Do you know what I said? What did I say? Yes, every iniquity must be punished. But because... Now, you know what happened? When Isaac was supposed to sacrifice... Uh, so, Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. Remember that? What saved the life of Isaac? There's a simple thing. What saved the life of Isaac? Hmm? It's not hard now. Why are everybody mumbling? God provided a substitute. Thank you. That's the best way to explain it. God provided what? A substitute. A ram was given as substitute. Listen to me. Jesus Christ was given as what? A substitute. When he said, behold the Lamb of God. That's exactly what he was saying. That takes away the sins of the whole world. That all the judgment that was due to mankind was put on the Lamb of God. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, this is how the principle works. Everything that was due to you was given to Jesus Christ. Everything that was due to Jesus Christ was given to you. Did you hear what I said? That's just the way it works. Everything that was due to you as a sinner was applied, applied to Jesus. But the Bible makes it clear that he did not sin. As being a righteous person, he deserved certain blessings. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Because he pleased God 100%. What he did was to earn and download certain blessings from God. Then you know what he now did? He now exchanged it. He said, all right, you, you take the blessing that I deserve. I take what? The punishment that you deserve. That's the way it works. Listen to me. If you have believed in Christ Jesus, he has taken the punishment for your sins. Anybody preaching anything less than that is not preaching the whole gospel. Do you hear what I said? If you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a matter of fact, he has taken the punishment for your sins. This is how God looks at it. Please follow this. What God looks at it, anytime you see Jesus Christ on the cross, you know who is seen on the cross? Thank you. He sees you on the cross. He sees that you have paid for your sins. That's why Paul said, I have been what? Crucified with Christ. Once, when Jesus went to the cross, what he did was to carry you and me with him. And how did he do it? I don't know. Really, I don't know the details. I don't know how they work things out over there. Do you forget my point? <laughs> but one thing that I know for sure is that anyone that has faith is very powerful. Though. Anyone that has faith in him. God, oh God, you know, I've told that time is an invention of this realm. In the realm of the spirit, time really doesn't exist. If you believe in Christ Jesus today, they just move back what looks like time by about 2,000 something years. And you are put on that cross. And you are believing today. I don't know whether you are getting my point. 
go to one interior village somewhere, one jungle where they've never heard the gospel. The moment they start hearing the gospel and they start believing, each person with all the sins that they have committed, they are taken to the cross and nailed to the cross. So Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, what? I live. Why? He said, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What is he talking about here? You see, we should read some scriptures. Because not only crucifixion happened, resurrection also happened. Let's open our Bibles quickly. Romans chapter 5. This is the principle of substitution. Instead of Isaac being slaughtered that day, the ram was slaughtered. Instead of you being punished for your sins, Jesus Christ was punished. As far as, it's con- as, far as, as God is concerned, you have paid for your sins. What did I say? Yeah. You don't owe anything anymore. You're able to talk about ancestral curses. Tell them I said they are jokers. It's been paid for. See, sin brings... You know, there, are three things. there are three things. Number one, sin. That is, as in nature. Number two, the effects of sin. And then three... The judgment for sin. All those so-called ancestral curses, they are judgments for sin. Jesus came to deliver you from them. See, as a matter of fact, this is not a joke. Please, I'm back to this thing. I've taught him. In fact, you should be able to teach it for me now, Seth. I don't even need to explain it again. No, I have many sons. What are their names? Shem. All right. Shem. Jaham. Japheth. I've explained before. That a curse was placed on Ham. Alright? Recorded as curse by Canaan. But we said that because of the principle of scripture, we believe that the same curse applied to Put, Cush, and Mizraim. You can argue it, but you ask yourself, how did we manage the least developed countries on this earth in Africa? How did we manage? How did we manage? Think about it. There are most slaves that have existed at least in the last maybe thousand years were Africans. How did you manage? That you go to a place like India, where they have the caste system. They try to dismantle it, but look at it. The lower you are in caste, the darker your skin. Oh, yes, the Dalits. They are dark-skinned. Not black as Africans, but they are darker, generally darker. Where did Hagar come from? Original Egypt, not modern Egypt. Original Egypt, modern Egypt is not the same thing as original Egypt. When they were giving slaves and giving, you know? that's why the descendants of Jacob, they, had, they are not really white again because they, are, you know, they had <laughs> slaves from different places. Having children. You know, Jacob had children by four women. Uh, yes, you know, two wives and then two maids. Uh, do you understand? There's a reason why, look at today's generations, the least developed countries on this earth, forget countries, people, as a people, the most backward generally, even when you mix them, you get there, they generally at the bottom of the society. Even when you go to the United States, we can say history of slavery, these things are spiritually determined. You can argue, people have argued with me before. I said, listen, let's not deceive ourselves. Just look at it. 
They rate countries from the big, from the bottom. Our African countries take a huge chunk. These are the descendants of Ham. Predominantly. The Japheth people are mostly Asian, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, and all of that. That's what I was told. Alright? The Shem people, of course, you know, the Jews are Shemites. You know that? Yeah, they're the descendants of Abraham. Okay? So, most of the other people, Europeans, they are mostly Shem people. Alright? Now, those curses are real. They are not, these things that they are, they are, they are spiritual, they are real, they work. They work. They produce. Curses do something, all right? Blessings are like that, too. They come in three levels. One, there's a spiritual force. Then it produces effects in how you behave, how you live, how you interact. For example, i give you an example about that junction. You get there, you don't wait for the next person. But a blessed person, the blessing teaches him, wait for the next person. Prefer one another in love. So the default setting, when you get to a junction where people are blessed, is that when I get there, I just wait. And just that simple thought of, let me wait for a, a second, it means that junction will not block. But that default setting, that when I get there, let me try and outsmart everybody. It means that all of us will not go home. What should have cost us maybe like five, ten minutes, will have been two hours. That is the second level by which curses work. All right? And blessings also. First, the spiritual thing is there. Second, it teaches you. It teaches. Now, please, bear that in mind. Spiritual things always teach. The grace of God appeared. What, is it, what does it do? What is it doing? Teaching us to do what? Deny what? Ungodliness. Grace doesn't just bless you. It teaches you. It will let you know that this is the way you should go. Walk in it. He will say, all of you want to get home on time. When you get to that junction, just pause for the next person. He teaches. He teaches you how to manage your money, how to manage your results, how to handle your farms, how to farm, how to design things. Grace teaches. That's how things are. Then the last level is not the effect of the way you have been walking. Those are the three levels by which spiritual things affect us. So at the end of the day, we, don't, we have bad behavior. We are less productive. We become poorer. So you now say that, okay, they will not tell you things like, uh, this city, you know, <laughs> Lagos was rated the fourth, the second or fourth most difficult city to live in last year. Are you aware? I thought that the first, no, I thought the second or the fourth. But anyway, among the worst four, what's the reason? That the amount of time people spend in traffic that was a singular reason. Not because there's no light, no water, just traffic. That alone. Can you believe Baghdad did better? Aleppo. In Syria, where there was war. I'm telling you the truth. Some of these small, small things, it makes us poor. Like right now, for those of you getting involved in cheating and all of that, one man of God has gathered scriptures against you. Yes, I like gathering scriptures. Say, please, everybody give me scripture. I want to fight examination malpractice in Nigeria. Do you know examination malpractice? Corruption is a very terrible thing. It reduces the quality of the whole society. A man cheats his way, all right, through the system. Fails in secondary school, but manages to get results from somewhere. Doesn't, then goes to one university where he pays his way through. Finally gets a degree, right? Now listen, M10 will not employ him. I know that. The banks will not, because those ones will test him. But civil service will employ him. 
There's no test. It's who he knows. The quota system. Then he walks in there. He sits on policies that MTN needs to operate. He sits on policies that telecom companies need to operate. He sits on policies that even though, yeah, your name is I'm going to have money to build refinery, this ignorant son of the devil controls the power of government. Like Yoruba man will say, he cannot write O with the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> now when Yoruba man wants to tell you how dense you are, they say you can't use the bo- a bottle to write O. You know, to write bottle, just stamp it and that's it. They say you can't even do it. Yet this guy, look, I've worked in government offices, promoted automatically. One day he's going to become a director general with his ignorant head. A president is perfunctory. Then one day he's on a panel, visiting panel, to come and accredit places where people far better than him are running. And they invested money in. He gives approval to a, use, a place as useless as himself. And denies approval to places that things are working. Everybody pays for corruption at the end of the day. That is why, please join the man of God that said he's on a fight against examination malpractice. Because the whole thing brings the society down. The whole society goes down. Listen, I teach in university. Sometimes I have... I went to examine a medical school one. I won't tell you where. Not in Enugu here. I talked to a fourth-year student who I was examining. He says something. Now, if you see his course, he had passed that exam. If I like, give him zero. He will pass that exam. I said no. I told them, if you guys don't fail this boy, I will write a report against the university. You're a fourth-year student? Medical student, you don't know this? How did you get this course? I stopped the exam. I said, no, I'm sorry. This guy is going to graduate and say he's a doctor? I've seen students when I looked. <laughs> My wife knows what I'm talking about, one girl. I said, you, how did you get it? I, told her, I asked her flat, how did you get it? I need to know. Because you are the most stupid human being I've met in medical school. I asked her, how did you get here? I said, did you write your work, by, your work yourself? She said, I said, it's a lie. You couldn't have. You don't know anything. See, all these funny, funny habits we have is activating the curse. So when Noah said, curse be Canaan, a servant of servants he will be. That's what he was saying. That they will so misbehave, they will kill themselves. After they talk about slave trade in Africa, slave trade, I said, who traded the slave? Was it the white man? It was the black man that went to the next village, kidnapped the people there, took them to the slave market, from which they took them to the shore where the white man was waiting. The white man had his forts along the coast. He had in Badagri, he had in Cape Coast, he, has, he just has along the coast like that. And waited for the black guy to bring the black guy from the next tribe. <laughs> Let me not say, we are seeing things online. One guy told me that in Idiaraba in Lagos, they used to sell four men for a horse. Do you know what I said? They exchange four human beings for a horse to give to the white man. They raided the people so much, they had plenty. <laughs> so the horses were higher priced than their fellow black men. 
cursed be Canaan, he said. A servant of servants will he be. What does that mean? I told you, he also said, cursed be Cush, cursed be Kutput, and cursed be Mizraim. That they would misbehave so much they would drop to the bottom. Again, that's not my story. My main story is that Jesus came to redeem us from that curse. We have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. Jesus died on the cross to end that curse. Every ancestral curse has been broken. People say, if your father was one of the slave traders, your family will scatter. Tell them, my father never traded slaves. He, 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 he redeemed people. Jesus said, behold, I and the children that the Lord has given me. We are for signs and for wonders. That's, that's my lineage. You won't take from another place, Abraham, the father of faith, left everything to obey God. That's my ancestor in the faith. I'm no longer a natural person. I've been redeemed in Christ Jesus. You know what Jesus did? Every judgment that you deserved, he took it on himself. And when he was on the cross, I said this is as spiritual. The Bible says his visage was so mad. Isaiah 53, let's just quickly go back there. This is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every judgment that you and I deserved, he took it, and now you and I are free. Say amen to that. Amen. You and I are free. Say amen to that. Amen. We are free in Christ Jesus. Amen. I said we are free in Christ Jesus. Amen. I said we are free in Christ Jesus. Amen. Quickly, go back to, okay, Isaiah chapter 52. Yes, just go back up. We didn't read this one, but just go back to 52. I will read around verse 13. He said, Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was mad more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what they had not been told, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. Now listen to this. When Jesus was on the cross, that's what he was talking about. See all those ones you see in, in film? It didn't, it didn't happen like that. At a point in time, people looked on the cross. They were wondering, is that a human being crucified? Yes, that's how bad it was. Because the punishment didn't come from the Roman soldiers' whips and the crown of thorns. It came from inside. It was a judgment of God against the sins of mankind. You looked at him and couldn't recognize what you were seeing. Tell you. Every disease has a foundation in sin. It doesn't mean you, you sin, though. After we talk about genetic problems, it began generation. How could somebody who's just been born have sinned? Do you get what I'm saying? But do you know that sin and that disease has been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ? Where am I going? That's also why on the cross, now these things are spiritual. That's what I was talking about science. They will get there one day. When one man says, that work? yes, that was God's solution. He said, these things are judgments. I need to take them away. You don't just throw them to Mars or Jupiter. You don't, no, somebody has to purify the people. So John said, behold the Lamb of God. 
that takes away all the punishment, all the judgments of sin for the whole world. The reason why the world still suffers for sin is that they deny the son. And let me just tell you something. Jesus Christ has two sides to him. The Jesus that is coming back, you won't recognize him for the intensity of his judgment. When he came the first time, he came to save. When he's coming again, my father in heaven. This time around, you run away from him. Before, come unto me, all you that labor, and I have you led in, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon thee, and learn of me. For I'm gentle and meek in my soul, and you'll find rest for your soul. And they slap him on the left. He said, prophesy, who slapped you? He said, be slapping. Just be slapping, no. No problem now. Voila. He came down, knelt down, and washed the feet of disciples. You call me Lord and Master, and I wash your feet. So, yeah, okay, no problem. No problem. Then he died. And as a matter of fact, we'll talk about that next time. He rose again from the dead. Now, next time I'll talk about the meaning of resurrection. God helping me. We'll talk, because not only did he die, that resurrection is crucial. Oh, that resurrection is a sign. Resurrection means you have been forgiven. The death is a sacrifice. Resurrection means it was accepted. When he rose up from the dead and ascended to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. From there, he's returning to judge the living and the dead. When he comes back, let me tell you, you can't slap him. You slap one of his disciples, he will cut your hand from the elbow, from the shoulder. That's the one that's returning. He will look at you one day and say, you slapped these people. He said, Lord, why did you slap them? I didn't like them. He will dissolve you. Listen to me. When he's returning, he will look and say, this is why we kept people. He said, make them hate each other. They will start killing themselves. And Jesus is watching. He said, have you finished killing? Give them diseases. Ebola will break out. They said, is that all? He said, no. Kill the rest with earthquake and tsunamis and bushfires. Say, Lord, there are few remaining. Say, send wild bees. Let them tear them to pieces. And he's watching. Say, why? I give them time. I called. He did not answer. He said, mercy has finished. All that remains is what? Judgment. That's why he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. See, people don't preach Jesus enough. I've told you, let's preach him complete. This Jesus that's returning, he kills people. And doesn't shed a tear. He will look. Said four things I will use against them: wild beasts, sword, pestilence, famine. Said they will die of thirst, and they'll be watching like this. You can do like this, and rain will fall. Say no, rain is not going to fall. Why? I want everybody to die of thirst. Say why? He said they rejected the son. That's why God said, "Kiss the son." <laughs> he said, "I know him." Oh. Kiss the son lest he be angry. That's a kind of that time. Say, hey, divide, divide. If you go to the Arabian desert, look at what the human beings have done. I said, there is what is called the day of judgment. It hasn't come. All this mess you are making is because the day of judgment has not come. The day it comes. You know what the Bible says? When it appears, mountain will just melt. He didn't do anything, no. <laughs> he just showed up. What is to be a mountain? How much more budget Arab? I just need to add that one to it. 
the king that is coming is a terrible king. His enemies, he destroys them without mercy. Some of these that people are doing that they are persecuting Christians. Jesus said, listen, you know the reason, guys, don't be angry with me. It's just that the way the Father has ordered it is that they have to activate their own judgment. He said, the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full. So he said, don't worry. Don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. Saints are supposed to die after a while, but sometimes I want to call people home. I don't let them die normally. I let these people kill. Why? I'm measuring it. He said, one day the cup will be full. Then you will know who your Lord is that time. He said, don't worry about them for now. Tell everyone, persecuting Christians, say, enjoy it too. The time is coming. And that, when he said vengeance is mine, what's the next line? I will repay. It's not vengeance is mine, so I just, no, vengeance is mine and I execute it. That's Jesus we are talking about. But let's end it on the other note. For those who believed, for those who believe, who continue believing, he's a source of life and life and life. He's a source of mercy. The source of forgiveness. He wipes out their curses because he bore their sins on the cross. Yeah, he bore your sins on the cross. There is no reason on why you should bear it anymore. When on the cross, he forgave all your sins and cleansed all your diseases. Satan has no reason to hold on to you. Whether it's a severe ailment or a trivial one, it doesn't belong to you. And you have the right to stand and say, Satan, out of here. Disease out of here. Say, for this cause for the Son of Man made manifest that he might destroy all the works of the devil. Say, every work of the devil is tied to iniquity and have been forgiven. Bow your heads and begin to give him thanks. For the forgiveness that you, he gave to you in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about your sins, they've been forgiven. Maybe you came to him. Anyone that comes to him, he does not cast out. If you came to him and said, Lord, have mercy on me, he forgives. That's why Jesus died on the cross. The cross of Jesus is so that you can have forgiveness. The cross of Jesus, that's a substitution and identification. That is, he went to the cross, and the Father sees you on the cross. Say, so you have paid. He said, yes. You have received double. double. Now, that, that word, receiving double, is, I mean, it's a deep one. That is, payment has been made for all your iniquity. Payment has been made. Payment has been made. I want you to know that you have been forgiven. Doesn't matter who your ancestor might be. You have been forgiven. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The forgiveness that we have in his blood. That's the meaning of the shedding of the blood. Jesus came. He shed his blood. He forgave us our sins. He forgave us our sins. Thank him this morning. It's important. Give him thanks. Like the reference you say. It's a sign of faith. It's a sign you believe. It's a sign you appreciate what he did. Say, Lord, thank you. As I give him thanks, receive your healing. Receive a clarity of mind. All confusion in your soul. Receive clarity of mind. It's gone. Receive healing. Receive healing. Receive healing. Because he was bruised for your iniquities. Receive healing. He was crushed for your iniquities. The chastening for your well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, you are healed. Say, Lord, I'm healed 
from the top of my head to this. That's what he paid for, to the soles of my feet. That the power of the spirit is higher than that of the material things. Viruses, genes, they are inferior to the power of the things of the spirit. The word becomes flesh and dwells in my body. He said, my son, attend to my words. They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The word of God is life, is health. Oh, this morning I want somebody to receive life and receive health. Say, Lord, I receive it because I've been forgiven. They say, who sinned that this one should be born blind? Jesus said, it doesn't matter. I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. Say, Jesus, thank you, for you have done the work of him that sent you. Yes, in the day of salvation, you did that work, and now you have set me free. Therefore, I'm healed of all forms of blindness. I'm healed of all forms of afflictions. I'm healed of all forms of disabilities. I'm healed of all forms of troubles. I receive the healing. That is what you paid for. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you.